Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. Celtic State of Mind, I'm Paul John Dykes and today I am delighted for the first time in a wee while, Laura, to be joined by Laura Bradburn. How are you? I'm fine. I was supposed to be joining you a couple of weeks ago and I think you <laughs> had, had a bit of a tough time getting into the studio, so it's good to see you managed to make it. I know, I, I prefer to say I had a tough time getting out of Fife. <laughs> uh, people have got this preconception about Fife and Fifers and the fact that we're backwards and we don't have things like telephones and the internet and electricity, but it was basically roadworks preventing me from getting in two weekends running. 
Um, so, yeah, thankfully, you were able to pick that up and run with it. Laura, we're on a, a rich vein of form. Uh, there's been a lot of discussion over the last um, couple of weeks in relation to our form in Europe domestically. Um, I watched with interest, obviously, we had James McKenzie at the pre-match presser for the Livingston game. Um, and, you, you know, we've spoke about this before, and I'm not criticising anybody, but a lot of the questions are pretty similar, aren't they? They're a bit samey going into this game. How do you adapt to playing on a plastic pitch? What's the difference between Champions League and domestic? How do you keep your players motivated after the big game during the week and all this kind of stuff? Uh, but Ange just sticks to his guns. He answers it the same way every single time he will be approaching this game in the same way, with the same level of respect as he approaches all the games. Um, what do you make of the aftermath of the European exit? Um, and, and if you look back on the campaign, Laura, what do you make of the, the, the first, the debut campaign under Ange? Well, it's, it's interesting because I've obviously picked it apart on the Friday Bulletin, but I'm usually the one asking the questions. And I, I've had a chance over the past couple of weeks to think about my opinion of the European exploits. And I, I'm conflicted, I have to say, because there's utter frustration mixed with, with a bit of pride as well. Because mm-hmm. I think, as Brian said on the, on the Bulletin yesterday, a lot of us have never been prouder of a Celtic team coming away with a defeat than we were that first game against Real Madrid, the the way that we played. Um, and I think what we've proved, um, unlike a lot of clubs in the group stages, is that we are there to try and compete. We're not there to batten down the hatches and try and avoid embarrassment. We're there to try and make these big clubs think again when they come and play against us. But what's clear is... For all that we love certain members of this team and certain members of this squad, I as much as anybody, we're still a fair way short of the level of quality that you need at that level. And I'm not even talking about chance creation. We all know the stat about something like 68 chances created mm. and three goals scored. But we just lack that that lethal touch, that killer instinct that some of these bigger teams have. You look at the, the game against Leipzig, uh, they were, for for major portions of the match at Celtic Park, we were the team on top. But we get picked off a few times and that was it. And they had the quality to do that. We we just fall short in that sense. But it's, listen, if there's one man who's going to learn from it, it's, it's Ange Postacoglu. And I think he, whether he wants to share it. Everybody talks about how forthright he is and what he says, and he is, but I think he keeps his cards close to his chest as well. He will have ideas about certain members of the squad. He'll have ideas about who cuts the mustard and who doesn't, and he'll be already planning. We saw how much he was planning towards the end of last season when we were coasting towards the the, the end of the uh, to the title. Um, how much he was planning for next season. He'll be doing that again now already, I would say. Yeah, uh, when I look at the the um, Ange Postecoglou era as as it stands at the moment, you know that first clutch of players that we bring in in the first transfer window, some of them last minute, Carter Vickers last minute on loan, um, but we did bring in the quality of Juranovic, the quality of Kyogo, and Yakimakis. It took him a wee while to settle and, and get fit and come into the team. Then you had that spectacular. January transfer window, Laura, like you say, he was analysing the failures and the faults and the frailties of the, the squad. And then we've gone in and every player other than Idiguchi, who hasn't had the run of games that uh, he and everybody else would have liked him to have, 
everybody else has been a success. Then this transfer window, you look at the way that we've strengthened it. Some of them, uh, things like you know bringing in Burnaby and Seagrist, you think, well, that really strengthens those two positions. And you, you look at Taylor, who, by the way, his performances were on an upward trajectory anyway, Laura. I'm not saying it was because Bernabe's came in, but it must help when there's somebody breathing down your neck constantly that your performance level needs to meet a certain standard. Then we make the two permanent signings of Jota and Carter Vickers, and we bring in the likes of Haksabanovic, Abligor, who we've not really seen a great deal of yet. And then you think to yourself, we're going to go again, fourth transfer window in January. We're going to improve once again. So people that um, have been mainly in, in the mainstream press just you know thrown us into this wee basket with the rest of the Scottish football European performances, Laura, and one or two have come out and spoke out against it, and rightly so. Um, they're not really looking at the, the performances that Celtic have put in. They're not looking at the progress that this team has made. The belief, not only in the team, but in the fans. I mean, we were sitting, Kevin McCluskey and I, sitting at the half-time bulletin against Real Madrid thinking we were, we were going to win this. Now, mm. when was the last time you had such a belief in a Celtic side to believe that you were actually going to beat Real Madrid? Didn't work out. But like you say, you know, I, I don't like getting beat, but you were proud of the team's performance that night. Um, and I think that when we look at that squad, there, there are going to be other players who come in who become very, very important parts of Angie's team. But I also think that there's, there's a handful of players in that team, Laura, who will improve to the required standard. Now, I'm not going to say that individually they will be the elite player that Real Madrid would be chasing or or Barcelona would be chasing, but you look at some of the performances we've had already, there has been hints that players like Hatati um, and O'Reilly, for example, you know, have improved already, but there's still room for improvement and they seem to have the, the ability to do it. Jota, is another one. Um, I think the performances of of Jens and Carter Vickers in Europe this season have been particularly impressive at the back. I know that we've leaked a few goals, but you know I'm looking at the team we've got there now and think we're not a million miles away. And then if you you know supplement that with a few signings in January and again in the pre-season, next season is when I think we start judging our Champions League pedigree. And um, I know that Andrew's at pains to say that. We've not been playing at this level for five years. A lot of those players didn't have the experience. Those five or six games this year, Laura, will be huge in the progress and the development of all those players that we've been talking about. I mean, next season, I think we'll see a different beast. Yeah, I mean, the... In, in very much the opposite sense, the phrase you can only beat what's put in front of you is often used when the opposition isn't up to a certain standard. Um, and to an extent, this Celtic team couldn't beat what was put in front of them because they didn't know what they were going to face, really. They didn't know the standard of what they were going to face. Mm-hmm. How many of that squad have ever played in the Champions League before? I think maybe only Callum McGregor and James Forrest of, of the remaining... First Forrest, team. McGregor, and Hart. So when you're looking on the the you know the outfield players, Laura, mm-hmm. there's been a few games where none of the team, other than Joe Hart, have played in the Champions League prior to this season, um, and and we've got to take that into account. You know, in terms of the experience um, at this level, um, some of the players I think have surprised a lot of us. I always heard that Greg Taylor could never be deemed a European quality player, but his performances this season have been excellent. Um, yeah, you know, and, uh, another one for me is um, Rio Hatati. I mean, listen, there's plenty you could criticise about his game, not least against Shakhtar. I think he was too 
wasteful with possession against Shakhtar. But iron out those creases, get rid of those wee inconsistencies in his game. And he has the capability to be, to be at the very top level. You said before we might not be chasing the same players as, as a Barcelona or a Real Madrid. But what we've helped do is populate some teams at that level with the players that we've had. You only need to look at Moussa Dembele, one of the top strikers in Europe at the moment for Lyon. Virgil van Dijk, we don't need to familiarise ourselves with what he's done. Kieran Tierney is battling it out um, for a place in the, the team at, at, at the top or near the top of the Premier League. What we need to do is make sure that those players hopefully reach a level similar to that a little bit before they leave us and that they don't have to rely on reaching that top, top level when they get to another club. Because mm-hmm. what we ha- are able to do as a club is identify talent. What we maybe need to improve on doing is making that talent reach their full potential before they get identified by these bigger clubs. It's a great point, Laura, because um, we are very good at identifying talent. And I know we've we've criticised the recruitment policy over the last uh, period. However, you know, we did a, a show, Colin Watt and I did a show where we were looking at the nine in a row era and, and looking at, you know, the team that you could assemble from that group of players. Now, it would be unrealistic to suggest you're going to keep Victor Wanyama for 10 years so that, you know, he can play in the mm. same team as, as Kyogo or Jota. But your point stands that there will come a point, and it does happen in football, and it happens, and it's happened um, in a not-too-distant past with uh, Ajax, for example, where a group of players are all there at the same time. Um, and yeah, they may go on, and in Ajax's case, they did go on to get sold for big money. But for that one or two seasons, there is a collection of players who all come together at the same time. Um, and when that happens, then, like you say, you know, imagine having a team with the players that you've mentioned together yeah, it's, it's a frightening prospect. Um, and I use Ajax as an example because I think that what they have done in the past and others is they have produced a phenomenal amount of talent from their, their academy. And I think that um, Ange will also have that one eye on that. That's a massive part of it. it. You know, with every passing week and every passing compilation video of Ben Doak ripping it up for Liverpool and making an incredible progression... Uh, the more you think to yourself, how many of these young guys have we let go in the last five or six years will go on to be top, top players? That's a wee bit more difficult, I think, because there's a there's a real carrot now, Laura, that didn't really, I don't think it really existed at that level. You know, the players that haven't broken through yet, you know, getting taken to Germany and going down south, it was mainly once they'd established themselves as Celtic. But what we've now seen in the last, as I say, five, six years, is players before they even get a chance to pull on the hoops for the first team. I know Ben Doak got a couple of subby appearances. They're getting pulled away elsewhere because their carrot is just too big. The financial, mm. and it, you know, it's just too big and we can't compete with that. That's a concern and I'm not sure how much Ange can do with that. I think the next one we really need to keep an eye on is Rocco Vata. In that mm-hmm. respect, we need to get him in and around the first team, and we need to show him that there's a pathway to our first team as well. Well, I think that's I think that's the major issue. I don't even think it's a money issue in a lot of senses. Now, I'm not I'm not naive. Ben Doak will have. I, I was about to say tripled or quadrupled his his, his wage. It will be more than that to play for the Liverpool under 18s um, it'll be on something along the lines of twenty thousand pound a week if they think he's uh, anywhere near good enough. But I think what's more frustrating for these young guys is so many of them. I mean, take Mikey Johnson as an example. 
I mean, he, okay, he's not brilliant. I've been openly critical of the guy. Um, and I don't think he is proper Celtic quality. But when he came in at first, you could have argued that he was. Mm-hmm. And maybe if he'd been given consistent chances to, to impress in the first team more often than just coming in for a few games, out for a few games, injuries aside, maybe he would have gone on to become a Celtic uh, regular and then got a bigger move off the back of that. So many of these players are looking and thinking, regardless of money, I don't see the the path to the first team. If I don't watch myself, I'll be playing for, with no disrespect, a Ross County or a or a Motherwell or a somebody like that where it then becomes much more difficult for them to get noticed by these Mm. big clubs. While they're still a youth prospect at Celtic, they've got a value that these big clubs look at. The minute even they become a first-team player at any other Scottish club, the the big clubs aren't looking at those teams. So that's that's where they're thinking, well, I'd rather play for Liverpool under-18s than play for St Mirren first-team because the value's better. That's an excellent point. I mean, even as a as a, a a young prospect at Celtic, in many ways your value is higher at that point because if you then take that step down, it's almost as if oh you've not made it and you've had to take a step down. I mean, I think one of the the classic examples, one of the graduates, Calvin Miller. Remember, he won that incredible award, one of the top players in Europe um, at a certain age, and then you look at where his career's gone. And it's a shame when you see players that, that don't really um, live up to their potential. Uh, you mentioned Mikey Johnson. Just an interesting one. We've got a few players out on loan at the moment. We're going to get to the team lines, by the way, in a second. Laura <laughs> and I haven't spoken for a while, you might have guessed. Um, of the players that are out on loan, Laura, do you still hold a torch for anybody coming back and making a success of their Celtic career? I mean, I, I think, I think unfortunately, the way loan markets work nowadays, that just isn't how it works. Unless you're a young player... Like who's still waiting for that chance to break into the first team. Uh, the purpose of a loan being to go out and get more first team experience, the way Callum McGregor did it at, at Notts, Notts County, the way that I think Ryan Christie did uh, before he came into the Celtic team as well. But unfortunately, if you, if, if, it, if you flip it and you've had the first team opportunity and then you go out on loan, I think that, points towards that you're going to be believing the club and I I think for any of those players who've had previous experience with the first team who are now out on loan I think it's them putting themselves in the shop window for a permanent move either to the club that they're at or to somebody else in that league or somebody else watching that league yeah, no, but you know when you when you see a player like Mikey Johnson going out and performing well elsewhere, mm. you're delighted for him, um, and you know that it may actually lead to him leaving the club. But these players at that age need football in their legs; they can't stagnate. I mean, th- there's a kind of belief in terms of youth development that at the age of 21, and a lot of the big clubs that are good at bringing graduates through and giving them first team games, they want a hundred games by the time you're 21, Laura. Now, yeah. Callum McGregor didn't play for Celtic until he was 21. You know, so it's it's one of these things where you've got to try and get the, the players into the first team squads at seventeen and eighteen and then build up their appearances, their experience. By the time they're twenty one, they're knocking on the international door. And that's how we should be progressing our, our young talents. Um that may be a wee bit more medium term for Ange Postacoglu who came in, who had to sort out um a, a squad that was fragmented. He did that. We won the league, we won the double and we're disappointed. 
uh, to be getting beat from the likes of Real Madrid this season. I think that speaks absolute volumes. We're going to bring in some comments from our regulars. But before we do that, let's have a look at the team. I'm sure most, if not all of you, have already seen the team lines. We'll start off with Celtic. Here we go. Joe Hart in goals. Laura, we've got Tony Ralston coming back in at right back with Greg Taylor. Probably the most improved player. Under Ange Postacoglu at left back. Carter Vickers and Yentz, uh, centre half partnership. And I think they're building up a really good relationship um, in the centre of defence. In the midfield, we've got Moy, O'Reilly, Hatati, and up top, Forrest, Haxabanovic, Kyogo. Uh, although Kyogo's sitting there as number 11, I would expect him to be going through the middle with Haxabanovic out left, Forrest out right. And on the bench, we've got Segrist, Yakamakis, Abada, Turnbull, Jota, Bernabe. Um, Abligar, Maeda and Juranovic very very strong bench again Laura are you surprised I think looking at social media people are maybe surprised Yakamakis has dropped to the bench what's your thoughts? Yeah I'm a a little bit disappointed with that because I think uh, he's a player who for me anyway has more of an impact more consistently than Kyogo across the board I mean Kyogo don't get me wrong, can pop up at any time and score a goal. So you would never be disappointed to see him selected. But when you're... Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Expecting a team to camp in and park the bus and and make life difficult for you in that sense, I think my preferred choice would have been would have been Yakimakis, especially because of his his form in, in recent weeks as well and that goal during the week. So it's it's disappointing for me, but again, I can't be too disappointed that Kyogo's ever in the team because I think he's I think he's you know always likely to to bag a goal at some point. Um, the other one that I'm really encouraged to see is James Forrest. There was plenty of people shouting for him to potentially get get a look in during the week, and and some questioning why why he doesn't. Um, but one thing's for sure: for all the things that we've said about him, maybe needing a bit part role and and being a little bit, you know, uh, past it because of past injuries. He certainly hit a vein of form, and this is a situation where you have to use him because. When his confidence is up, he's he's as dangerous a player as we've got in the squad. And just lastly, before I go back to you, the, the other one I'm looking at there is that concerns me a little bit is, is Aaron Moy. Now, I know I've praised Aaron Moy for recent performances. I think he's he's had a very good impact. I think he's a calm influence on the midfield. But what I do worry about with him is that he does slow our play down an awful lot. We always mm. talk about Ange saying never stop, never stop creating a, a, a game with high intensity and urgency and sometimes you feel a little bit like Aaron Moy just things things take a little bit longer to get going when he's on the ball I think so 
it, it might be a positive for today, just when we need a little bit of a break from trying to break down that Livingston defence. And maybe that's the way Angie's thinking. But, um, but you know, that's my only concern from the 11 that I can see in front of me. Yeah, we'll, we'll work through the areas of the pack then. I mean, Kyogo in, Yakamakis benched was the, the biggie, I think. Um, but again, like you say there, James Forrest um, has divided opinion for quite a few seasons, I think. He's starting today and he is going to try and get his 100th assist in a Celtic jersey to go along with his 101 goals, I think it is now, and 450-odd appearances for the club as well. Haksabanovic, he was in the pre-match press conference with James McKenzie earlier in the week as well. Laura, he's a, a guy that seems very focused and uh, he's obviously, you know, he's, he's a player who's had a few disappointments in his career so far, you know, burst onto the scene as a teenager. Um, he had that West Ham move that didn't quite work out. He doesn't look uh, on that, you know, with too much disappointment. He goes on about what he took from that, the experience that he gained from being at a club like West Ham in that league. Um, and I think we've seen enough to suggest that he could well, once he's firing on all cylinders, um, he could well become a top, top player for Celtic. Um, a couple of the press conferences that he's given, a couple of the answers rather, in the press conference went along the lines of, I'm not my best yet, I'm not fit enough yet, I'm still fitting into this team. He's still regarding himself as a new recruit. Laura, how impressed have you been with Haksabanovic and do you think we're going to get a bit more between now and the end of the season from him? I think he's... He's honest, sometimes maybe a bit too honest, um, in saying that we've that he's not fit and things like that, and and that we haven't seen the best of him. I, I do think that's the case. And again, from a from a backroom staff kind of uh, place, we saw that with Yakimakis last season. Um, I'd be concerned not from the players' point of view themselves because they're following all the guidance that they have to follow. How are we sitting here with Haksabanovic in uh, the, near the end of October, nearly November, not fully match fit? That's not his fault. I don't think that's that's something to do with the way in which the in which the club is operating in the background. And so that's something that I still feel needs investigated. But looking at him as a player, um, I think he offers us something that no other player in the squad offers us. He's got a bit of pace about him. And for a wide player, he's quite powerful. You know, you look at the Jotas and, and James Forrests of this world who are a bit smaller and, and are designed almost to, to weave in and out of players. Haksabanovic doesn't strike you as that archetypal wide player, but I think that brings us a lot um, to the team that, that we wouldn't get from another player. And he can drive at defences, he can be a threat from set pieces, he can do a lot of things that usually a player in his position doesn't offer. And so I think hopefully if we get a fully fit Haksabanovic, we can take full advantage of that. And it means if in a certain game a Jota or a Forest or an Abada isn't working, you've got another option there that you can bring on to change things up slightly. Yeah, I mean, because with the four players we've been talking about here, imagine they were all... Um, you know, hitting top form, Haksabanovic, Forrest, Abada and Jota all at one time. That That's a frightening prospect. Um, it doesn't always happen like that. You know, players go through waves of, uh, you know, good performances and, and not so good. Um, but for it all to come together at one time would give the manager a real headache, but a, a good one, a good dilemma to have. Now, Sometimes, as football fans, Laura, we look at this game, we look at maybe Hearts at Tynecastle, you think, right, you want to start with your big physical players uh, because that's that's 
what you need against a team like Livingston on the plastic pitch. And I think there's a wee element of that with regards to Tony Ralston. He's that type of player. Domestically, you know, roll the sleeves up and get stuck in. But at the same time, you know, Ange hasn't gone for that kind of option up top because he's playing Kyogo, who's got far more flair than Yakamakis, who's a big, strong um, individual who wins you a lot of free kicks in Europe, uh, a lot more free kicks in Europe than he does domestically. Um, I don't think going by his press conference the other day that he buys into all that, Laura. I mean, on the one hand, yeah, he's, he's brought Ralston in today. But I just think he's all about playing his game regardless of the opposition. So we've gone into today's game and it won't really concern him that Kyogo isn't the most physical of players. Um, do you think that's something that we can play our way through? Because, I mean, the talent is, is there for all we see on the park. I mean, with regards to Moy, you were talking about concerns with Moy. Would you bring in Turnbull, Turnbull rather, more of a football player with a wee bit more finesse for a game like today? Or do you think... You know, Moy with, with the, the strength and the qualities he's got, um, he plays with a wee bit more aggression. Do you think that's part of the, the, the game plan for Ange today? Or, you know, what he was saying at the, the the press conference was that he doesn't think about that. He plays the players that he thinks can win you a game. It's not about physicality. I, c- I can see the logic behind that. I mean, if your game's good enough, uh, you're, you're going to win. You know, a Livingston being picked apart by a prime Bayern Munich aren't going to manage to stop them if if Bayern Munich are good enough and so if we want to strive for that level in Europe then then a Livingston team that chooses to park the bus shouldn't be able to cope with us whatever we do um, but just based on previous experiences they have managed to stifle us and that was where the concern was coming from mm. um, having said that you know if Ange wants to stick to his game if the players are all on form the Livingston team can be as physical as they want. We will still be able to pass the ball around them and find space, hopefully. And that's where Kyogo really comes into his own. Um, with regard to Moy, I I don't know that Turnbull would be the particular option. You might Whether Moy's the one playing further forward or whether it's O'Reilly, because I know O'Reilly's taken the more defensive role since uh, McGregor's got injured. I wondered whether putting O'Reilly and Hatati in the slightly more attacking role and, and having Abelgard play in the defensive role. Again, because like Haksibanovic, he, from what I've seen anyway, has excellent ball control, good passing ability, but he's also got a bit of physicality in the midfield that if you're expecting that kind of response from Livingston, he might be better able to deal with. So um, I guess it highlights a kind of... Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. Little bit of lack of strength in the squad. The fact that that McGregor has gone uh, injured, and although it would be hard to name a player who would bring what McGregor brings to to the team throughout the whole club, um, the fact that the step off in quality uh, from him being injured is so great is a little bit concerning. But yeah, for me, I, I might have I might have selected Abelgard instead of Moy. But you know. People would be right to say in the comments, I've not seen enough of them to justify that. The the game's got to come though, Laura, where where that choice is made. He's mm. been brought in for for 
uh, that very reason. He needs to play, um, and we've not seen him starting a game yet, have we, uh, no. Big Ollie? Um, and of course, when you're looking at that area of the park where Turnbull and Ardogor are in there, but what we don't have is we don't have McCarthy or Edigucci, uh, both fit. Um, both out of the, the starting lineup and out of the squad. Um, so I do look ahead to, you know, the January transfer window and I wonder, I wonder if uh, if indeed they're two players that uh, their futures may be elsewhere. Um, we will have a look at Livingston team as well, see who we're facing today. We've got uh, Hamilton, Devlin. Um, Devlin's a decent player, actually. Sean Kelly, Obelai, Fitzwater, Longridge, Penrice, Pittman, Holt, Kelly and Newbley. Newbley, obviously, is uh, a bit like yourself and, and me, uh, Laura. I've had, he's had a wee bit of stick on social media over the last couple of weeks. Um, but he does start today. And again, you know what you're getting from um, a Martindale team. Interestingly enough, though, um, he's had Lee Griffiths in training with him over the last few weeks. What do you make of that? Do you think he's got a future there at uh, the Tony Macaroni? I think Lee Griffiths might have more of a future going to eating Tony Macaroni's than he does playing football at the arena, but the less said about that, the better. <laughs> Laura Bradburn, that, honestly, that was a proper dig. Not even an indirect free kick. That was a dig. Um, I, think, I think that might be, I might be getting sent off for a professional foul for that one. But That was, that was, that was hasty. That was hasty. <laughs> Um, we wish Lee Griffiths all the best I hope he can get a contract I hope he can start uh, playing and, and scoring goals again and doing what he is good at we know that he's been out the game for a while he's obviously not been signed up yet um, we've looked at the squad and some of the, the recent performances the horror show that doesn't seem to leave us and a lot of people will go back to this when they, they say well you know Moy, O'Reilly and Hattati can't play together is the game in Paisley against St Mirren where they beat us and we wore that uh, silver kit now, um, i seen during the week there that there is rumours that we're going to be releasing a fourth kit, Laura. Now, even if it is that yellow one that's been rumoured, which is an absolute cracker, we don't need four kits. That's, that is an absolute cash in. Celtic Football Club in one season doesn't need four kits. Well, I mean, it's all right for me sitting here saying... I would buy it if I wanted to as, a, as an adult with an expendable income to do what I want with my money. But that's not who you're targeting kits at for the majority. You know that if kits get released, kids will be begging their parents from them. It's the run-up to Christmas on a year where we don't need to talk anymore about how many people are struggling to pay their bills, never mind to, to buy another shirt. Celtic know exactly what they're doing. A fourth kit is not only unnecessary, but in the current circumstances, it actually leaves quite a bad taste in the mouth considering the history of the club and what they're supposed to be about. I would much rather see them donate shirts to, to teams or you know do something of that ilk rather than try and pull more cash out of people who were already going to spend their money in the club shop for Christmas. You all know the, the stuff that... You can fill your kids' bedrooms with. You don't need a £60 top to do the same thing again that will probably get worn twice or something like that considering we've already got three. No, th this is the, my big concern. I know that it seems to be here to stay with regards to third kits um, is that you know we just need to be cuter and uh, in the design process and we don't need a third kit, never mind a fourth kit, Laura. So um, although that's not been confirmed by Adidas or by Celtic, there are rumours that it is happening around about Christmas time and it seems like a, a blatant cash-in yeah, and you know how much I love jerseys. Bernadette, can I just bring that up? Says they can't even mark it as a four, as a European kit. Disgrace, disgraceful bringing out a fourth kit. That's the thing. We're now in a situation where we'll have more kits than competitions that we're playing in. Like oh, how? I know. 
How are you supposed <laughs> to justify that? I know, it is poor. And we'll, we'll actually comment a wee bit more on that um, if indeed it is announced, Laura, because we do have a few football jersey aficionados in the Axom team, but I appreciate that uh, we've kicked off, I think, so we're maybe even missing the kick-off. Come back to us at half-time and we'll see how we're doing in Livingston. It's an absolute pleasure as always. Thank you, Laura Bradburn, for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind. Thank you. Welcome back to a Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes, joined today for the match day by Laura Bradburn. We're sitting at half-time at Almondvale. The Tony Macaroni were a goal up, Laura. Um, what do you make of that first half? We were talking about some of the uh, concerns around the park and some of the, the players who had been selected for the starting lineup. Didn't quite go to plan, did it? Because Kyogo scores within nine minutes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's the downside of doing doing this isn't it you you put your opinions out there and uh, you know fate can conspire to make you look a bit of an idiot which it did um, having said that you know it, it does did kind of confirm one thing that we were talking about um, the, in the sense that if we play our game then it doesn't matter about the physicality of the other team because if you see from exactly how Kyogo's movement and uh, and all that um contributed to the goal the Obelai I think has been tasked with being the, the physical enforcer that would stop Kyogo and that's all very well and good if you can get near him but if you can't get near him then your physical um, disparity means absolutely nothing and that's exactly what happened they found space and uh, he was able to finish which meant you know any um, tactic that David Martindale had put in place to kind of nullify him was was pretty much pointless yeah, absolutely. And I think you made that point during the game there, uh, Laura, about the fact that when you've got that talent, it doesn't really matter, does it? The, the physicality um, goes out the window. It was a point that we were talking about before the game. You know, there was a lot of Celtic fans and commenters on Axom uh, disappointed that Yakimakis didn't get a start today. But, you know, we Kyogo pops up with a, an outstanding finish, it's got to be said. And I was really, really impressed with the build-up play because Ralston played a magnificent cross-field pass um, to that man, Taylor. And I'm going to check his assists before the end of the game because um, he has set up so many goals and he's 100 games for Celtic, Laura. Um, often we don't probably give him the credit he deserves on the show for, for that aspect of his game. But it was a fantastic wee ball through to Kyogo. Um, and what a finish. What a finish by Kyogo as well. I think uh, James has mentioned to us as well, this time last year people were going on about Kyogo being uh, the most naturally talented player we've had, um, the, the best individual talent that we've had since Larson. And in the last couple of weeks, he's been getting written off. It just shows you how things uh, go and swing from side to side. I think Kyogo's not been at his best, but when you look at his, his stats as well, games, goals ratio, you know, it's not as though he's gone a dozen games without a goal. Laura, he has contributed and I think Ange has done really well here by continually playing him because he had a brilliant chance the other night, one-on-one, -on -one, you know, the wee, the wee uh, pass through from Yakamakis, he should score that and you think, you know, if he get dropped today, that could really harm his confidence. And just continue to pick him. He scores the goal. Wonderful man management. But let's talk about the um, the assist by Taylor and the secondary assist by Ralston. Fantastic play by the two uh, inverted fullbacks. Yeah, I mean, I, I still think that's one aspect of, of the game that so many teams domestically anyway have not managed to 
to nullify. You know, we've, we all have been concerned over the past few weeks. Is, is Angie's system so predictable now that, that people are starting to, to catch it out? And I think in terms of stopping our tempo, stopping these quick throw-ins and free kicks and things like that, that's been so well publicised that teams would all be, almost be negligent if they weren't trying to put methods in place to stop that. But the inverted wing-backs is, is a a system that no other team in Scotland is using. Um, probably they're finding it hard to train uh, in order to cope with it if the managers and coaches concerned aren't familiar with the system themselves. So it's a situation where we're still getting a lot of joy out of what Ralston and Taylor or Juranovic and Taylor uh, can bring us in that sense because the inverted uh, fullbacks give us space in the middle of the park that... that you know these other teams don't know how to deal with because they're too busy. If they're if they're the defenders or the midfield picking up the opposition's midfield and strikers, they sh- they don't expect to having to be closing down the fullbacks except in the wide areas, and, and they're not sure how to deal with it when it's a bit narrower than that. Yeah, absolutely. It has been one of these things. I think when Ange came in, certain managers come in with with philosophies and ideas of um, how they should set up, and I remember. The uh, formation being a massive discussion point. I remember when John Barnes came to the club and he was talking about this uh, um, forward-thinking shape that he was going to take. Uh, it didn't quite work out. Ange comes in with inverted fullbacks, and the players that he has uh, deployed in these positions have taken to those positions so so well. And I think you saw it there uh, in the lead up to the goal that's that broken the the, the deadlock today. Um, I'm really keen to bring in some comments, Laura, because uh, it was very remiss of me in the first uh, broadcast earlier on today that I didn't get enough of you guys in. So thanks, everybody, for getting involved. Uh, there's about 700 watching across the various platforms. Autumn Glow. These plastic pitches should be banned for good. My personal highlight of the first half, the Moy tackle on column. Right, the first part of that, Laura... I'm going to struggle to find anybody who's going to disagree with Autumn Glow. Um, We speak about it every time we play against a team with a plastic pitch. They should be absolutely outlawed. Um, You know, I think uh, both Ange and Saeed Haksabanovic was asked the question prior to the game. And they both, you know, they know it's a necessary evil. They both have experience of playing on plastic pitches, but football should be played on grass. And it's one of these things, I think, you know, in terms of an advantage... Um, one of the things Haksabanovic said was, you know, both teams are playing on that park. Obviously, Livingston are more used to playing there. It's their their own backyard. Ange spoke about in the week leading up to games like this, they use the artificial surface up at Lennox Town just to kind of acclimatise. Um, we know the the the, the kind of the good points and. The bad points, the good points, I think, from a football club's perspective is it was basically cost-effective. But hasn't that now been proven to be something of a false economy with regards to the the money that they thought they would generate or save with a groundsman? I mean, I think it is because, to my knowledge, they still require upkeep and their installation is certainly more expensive than a grass pitch. So... Um, you wonder if the if the economics really checks out. I, I I do think they maybe still have a case in terms of the economics of being able to use it out with uh, just f- football matches. You know, it's a very robust surface, obviously, that they can hire out the stadium for events during the weekend and in the summer and things like that. And so there's that financial aspect of things to bring into it. But one thing that I thought was interesting about what Ange said 
about it that I thought was different to the 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 sort of tack that most people take is a lot of people talk about the obvious injuries that can be caused by it because mm. it is such a, a, a solid surface and that is a concern in and of itself but and was talking more about the sports and integrity of the game and the fact that it really does fundamentally change the way the game is played. Yeah. The ball bounces differently, it rolls on the ground differently. Um, and, you know, it, I don't even think it necessarily gives the home teams an advantage all the time because they are having to go and play on grass pitches as well. But what it does do, and what Ange was saying, I think, was it just fundamentally changes what the game looks like. And I think I'm in agreement with him that the game is much more natural and much more enjoyable to me played on a grass pitch. And I think that's a point that the the injuries is an obvious point that should come first and foremost, the safety and health of the players. But beyond that, the actual enjoyment of the game mm. suffers. And I think that that's something that's an important point to make as well. It is. And who else to make it uh, but Ange Postacoglu, who talks about his own kind of philosophy uh, the football utopia, right? So if you're a fan watching that game, uh, obviously the uh, enjoyment of it may not be as good as, you know, had the game been played on the, the grass pitch. But also when you think about the broadcasting and how big a part that plays in football across uh, Europe and further afield, Laura, it doesn't look great, does it? <laughs> you know, as a spectacle, it doesn't look great. And, and the um, other excuse that they used to give about it was that it was more weather um, resistant in terms of... of you know, for snow and wet and stuff like that. Livingston and Hamilton have both had games called off with their pitches. So it's not really an argument either. No. So I think we're all in agreement. Yeah, get rid of them. Uh, Ridiculizer, nice composure and lovely finish from Kyogo. Absolutely. You know, you sometimes see players, particularly up top, where if they've not scored for a few games, Laura, the co the composure goes, the confidence goes. But, you know, there was none of that. It was very instinctive by Kyogo. I thought it was a f fantastic team goal as well. Scott... Scott Mason, excuse me, another team parking the bus when we get near is hellish and on a plastic park. The speed the ball travels at makes it a nightmare for attacking teams to play good football. Well, there's a few parts of that there. I think... Um, can I can I just jump in on that? I, sure. I, I, it is frustrating to play against, but I always make this point. I don't think any team is obliged to play in any sort of way other than the way they think will get them the points. Mm. I don't blame Livingston for parking the bus. That's how they think they're going to get the best result for their team. They're yeah. not obliged to come out and play scintillating, entertaining football and let themselves get ripped to bits just for entertainment's sake. But it is frustrating from a Celtic supporter's point of view that we can't play our full-flown game because of the tactics that they're employing. But that's the whole point of the game to me. I, I get that. And it's um, one of the ones, Laura, where <clears throat> we've got to find a way. And I think we get that. And I think Ange gets it. You know, you're going to come up against this side here who every margin of advantage that they can possibly squeeze out a game, they will. I mean, we go to away grounds and they deliberately let the grass grow a wee bit longer. You remember Brendan Rodgers used to bring that up at Tynecastle. We go to plastic pitches. You know, there's an argument to say that that makes the game difficult for us to play our own natural game, which is um, fast flowing, uh, entertaining football. Well, we've just got to come up against the chat. It's just a different challenge. I think that's the way Ange looks at it. Um, but again, with, with these teams, you know, where their margins could be the difference between relegation and staying in the league, I think that 
parking the bus. Like you say, it's their right and we just need to find a way. Thankfully in that first half we have found a way. Um, at least Livingston as a football club are giving Celtic three stands. A lot of the other clubs, you know, cut their nose off despite their face in that respect. And I know the arguments for and against because uh, Alan Burrows got involved with our very own JP Mason in a Twitter discussion a wee while back talking about the thinking behind teams like Motherwell not giving us the tickets. Uh, Livingston have given us the tickets. We have scored the only goal of the game. Um, I'm going to look in that second half at Taylor's assist record because it must be um, up there. It must be up there in terms of um, assists per game. Um, but there, ha- there is a bit of battle going on. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. On the park, and it's resulted in Carter Vickers getting a booking. I think it's, uh, you know, Nubly, as unfashionable a player as he might be, um, you know, he's given the big man a, a fair old tussle in there and I think Carter Vickers has done well, but it's quite clear that that's a, that's a decent head-to-head to keep your eye on in the second half. Yeah, it is. And um, as reticent as I am, I think Willie Collum, you know, plenty of examples we could bring up where he's not handled the game properly. I think today he's tried to employ what, as close to a common sense approach as you could to most things. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, disagree with the booking um, against Carter Vickers as long as a similar situation with a Leicester Leicester player, that's a comment I was reading, a Livingston player um, results in a booking as well I don't think Carter Vickers can argue about it but it just shows you like you say what what the Livingston striker is doing to give him a a run for his money but I think as well he's having to do that because of the lack of service he's getting so you know I'm, I'm all well and good for a Livingston striker Given um, Carter Vickers a physical battle to 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 fight against, as long as it means that he's too preoccupied doing that to be looking for the ball. No, you're right. Um, and again, fair play. I think Colin's done all right as well. Um, as much as it pains me to say that at halftime, it doesn't happen very <laughs> often on that. So much got to be said. Um, talking about the referee. Uh, in good terms Craig M we're playing quite well but we need to get another goal there is a sense of that we've seen it so many times in Livingston um, you know where the bounce of that ball like we've spoken about might uh, take out one of our centre halves and then one of their big uh, centre forwards might get on the end of it yeah. it's, it's one thing about our play that I kind of um, worries me a little bit is we're so used to having to press and press and press and make chances and score goals that sometimes and I don't know why today is different to a 6-1 against Hibs or something like that. But it was almost as if that first goal just took the sting out of it and, and completely killed the game. I'm hoping Ange gets them fired up for the second half and says, no, ram at home and get this done. Do you think there'll be any changes? There's a few coming through here. Um, 
pinpointing Hatati as having quite a quiet first half. I can't see any changes at half time though, Laura, no. to be fair. I think we'll go for the second goal in the first 10 15 and do his usual 65 minute triple change, perhaps. Um, Haksabanovic, a player we spoke about before the game, he's getting loads of the ball, but he's not really created much chances, Laura, has he? He's not. Um, I, I, I think he's. I think what's clear is a lot of the players being directed down that left-hand side, so they obviously think that that he can have that impact. Mm. But the problem when you do that is if that player on that side happens to be a bit off the boil on a given day, it all falls flat. So hopefully in the second half they recognise that and maybe try and put more of the play down the right-hand side through Forest and see if they can get any more joy that way. For sure. There's one thing, we've got options on the bench. We've got Jota, we've got Abada. Uh, these players, I think that if we need to get a wee bit of an injection, then they can bring that one final comment before we go back to the action. Magnet 67, as the Clash song goes, complete control. If you're going to mention music, there is a chance that I'll bring your comment up. However, at 1-0, and with their big battering ram up front, we are susceptible to an error. Needs a second, I totally agree with that. Hopefully we'll get it in the first 10-15 minutes of the second half. Let's go and rejoin the action. Thanks everybody for getting involved and thank you Laura Bradburn once again for joining me on A Celtic State of Mind. Thank you. Welcome back to A Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes and this afternoon I'm joined by Laura Bradburn. We're here to discuss Livingston 0, Celtic 3. Laura, fairly comfortable in the end, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it's the it's the, the way of things sometimes when you've got, you know, you look at the players we were able to bring off the bench, Abada, Turnbull, uh, Abogard, um Yakimakis, Jota, you know, those players all have a an argument to say they should be in the Celtic first team, never mind on the bench. So when Livingston have been working as hard as they've been working to try and close us down the entire game and to, to, to defend for their lives, and then we can just say between 60 and 90 minutes, we're going to effectively replace half our team with, with starters uh, of that quality. Um, it was no surprise that it ended up the way that it did. No, you're right. And again, I'm keen to bring in um, the comments from the viewers out there. Let us know where you're watching the game, um, what time of the, the day or night it is, because I know if you're in Australia, it'll be night time uh, for sure. And this is a, a day, I think, where, you know, in the past, Laura, you, you, there would have been a wee niggling concern in the back of your mind because of the poor record we had in Livingston. Ange Postacoglu has dismantled that and we're starting to get results there and that was very comfortable. Autumn Glow doesn't think it was a penalty. I think looking back on the, the VR, VAR decision um, I thought they, they got it right. It was uh, the hands to ball on natural position. It was pretty clear cut for me I thought Laura but we'll go through all the different talking points for sure. Ian McGinley um, our play was brilliant but our finishing was still poor yet again um, That that's fair enough if you come away with three or four goals I think it's frustrating if you drop points or um, it's in a Champions League where you don't quite get as many chances but uh, take your point Ian for sure pinball if only Albi was still around. Albi and Ayeti's doing alright actually since um, he was loaned out and uh, hopefully that will turn out well for him and he'll get the move. Paddy, yeah, it is an important three points. Always an important three points in Livingston. And uh, we'll start off, we'll, we'll go back to the first half. Um, a lot of the talk around the lineup, the selection of Ange Postecoglou to go for Kyogo 
over Yakamakis. Both players played a part. Let's start off with Kyogo and Yakamakis and their contribution. Kyogo obviously got a goal, cracking opening goal. Um, decent display by Kyogo. Did a bit of work in the second half, done a bit of defensive work and is eventually replaced by Yakamakis, who didn't have his finest afternoon, it's got to be said. But let's start off with Kyogo. How impressed were you, Laura? Yeah, I mean, I think... Uh... All the all the praise that he gets, and rightly so, um, has been said so many times before. He's just got this industrious work rate that you can't ever tire of loving because <clears throat> having had players over the last number of years, up to the last half of a decade, whose who's motivation that you queried, um, it's one thing you can never query about Kyogo. You can query whether... Um, everything he tries comes off. You can query whether he's having the game he should be having or whether he's as involved as he should be. But one thing that you can never criticise is that he's always trying his best to to make things happen. And that's that's something that I think drives the entire team forward. You know, it, it, situations like today, this, this game could have so easily become a lot more scrappy and a lot more... Um, ugly to watch than it was. It wasn't the greatest game of football, but... You get the feeling that with Kyogo having the determination he does to create things and make things happen, it must rub off on his teammates. And I think as much as his natural footballing ability is there for all to see, that's something he brings to the team as well. You know, he's a player that he's been a revelation since he signed. Um, And, you know, I think that when we go from the highs of some of the similarities and, and the comparisons we were hearing, Laura, to the lows of the last few weeks where... Uh, you know, some people in the comments section were saying that we need to ship him out, which was bizarre, I, th- I felt. Uh, the knee-jerk reaction. Um, do we need to be more patient with players like Hugo? You know, if, if Hatati or, or O'Reilly has a wee bit of sticky form during the season, surely we need to show a wee bit more patience with the guys. They've shown us what they can do. Yeah, I mean, I think talking about that... Um comparison that we talked about between between Kyogo and Larson. I mean, you can excuse people for getting a bit overexcited when we saw what we saw with him, but I, th- I think, to be fair to him, the cr- comparison was never that he's as good a footballer as Larson or he has um, the finishing of Larson or that he's going to have the impact at Celtic that Larson had. The observation was that in terms of natural football and ability and talent, he's as good as any player we've had since Larson. And I still think that remains. Now, his consistency level has been shown to be nowhere near that of Larson or or many other players in a Celtic shirt. But I don't think you can deny that on his day and on his best day, he's as good a footballer as Celtic have ever had, I would say. I've seen uh, a, a decent comment on the socials. Uh, during the, the first half saying that they maintain, a uh, Celtic fan maintains, he's the best we've seen two-footed since Maravchik. And you've seen these comparisons. I remember the goal when he scores against Hibs in the League Cup final last season. Laura, no one else on the park could do that. And that that's what he brings. You know, he's one of these guys that can pull a rabbit out of a hat. He's a game changer, all these different cliches. But the types of players we've had in the past are, is the reason why some fans compare them and, you know, you speak in the same breath. Um, and I just feel that on a day like today where he goes out there and he does the business and, like you say, that breakthrough really took the, the sting out of the game. 
which was a, a positive for Celtic actually because you know the longer that went on, had it gone into half time, it uh, scoreless, it would have been a, a tricky second half to you know negotiate. But Kyogo did all that, and I think that you know it's just another, it's a timely reminder, isn't it, that um, these guys are performing at such a high level and from time to time they might have two or three bad games and I think that's all it came down to with Kyogo um, unfortunately one of those games was in Europe where you know a, a goal at that moment where where he's put through by Yakamakis might have made all the difference but He's been a fantastic addition um, to the Celtic side. Um, he's got an infectious character. It was great to see him again running about with a smile on his face um, after his defensive display. Um, but he was replaced by the big man, Yakimakis, um, who I think has been you know over the piece when you look at his goal-scoring record, uh, the minutes he's had on the pitch. He's been phenomenal in the starts. And I thought when he comes on, right, He's going to be able to, um, you know, get rid of the, the ghosts of the past. One year ago today, strangely enough, he misses a penalty against Livingston in injury time. And we draw the game. He steps up, you think, right, he's just going to put it all right. And he misses the penalty again. Um, he doesn't look great on a plastic pitch. I mean, I know we were banging on about that before the game, Laura, but I just don't know if his touch is there. I remember the most critical I've ever been of Yakimakis was against Alawa Athletic. They've got a plastic surface as well, don't they? Mm-hmm. And it just seemed the body the ball doesn't stick with him. That's one of his his greatest assets, I think. And I've spoke to Kev McCluskey about this during the week in the European game. It's the way the ball sticks to him. Uh, Samaras was brilliant at that in Europe. Yakimakis seems to be really, really good at it. But on a plastic surface he doesn't seem to have that. The ball, the first touch, it wasn't there. He misses a penalty. But again, no knee jerk reaction from me, Laura. It's just a bad day at the office for the big fella, isn't it? Yeah, I think it is. And there's an argument to be said that that the surface itself maybe contributed to the fact that he missed the penalty because he tried to hit it low, tried to almost roll it in. And if you hit, anybody knows if you hit a ball with a certain amount of pace uh, and it responds differently to how it would on grass, it's going to change the trajectory of it. Now, I'm not trying to make excuses for the guy. I still think a striker of his ability should be able to score a free shot from the 12-yard uh, penalty spot with his eyes shut, basically. So he should have done it. But there's an argument to say he missed at Livingston last time, he missed at Livingston this time, maybe there's something in that. Um, a lot of people say he shouldn't be on penalties now. I would still like to see him break the duck of it, if you like, get the get the monkey off his back and, and, and convert a penalty because he's, he must have the ability to do it. And it's just been, um, like you say, a bit of a bad day at the office for him as far as that's concerned. Just a wee bit unfortunate. Uh, Bohid Bob actually comes in to say, think we have seen why Yakamakis never started. Must kind of hate the plastic. That said, how that is a penalty in the other week uh, does not get looked at. Job done. Solid. Next, yeah, absolutely. I do think, um, obviously, the, the the one against Hearts was a, a definite penalty, and today I also feel it was a penalty. I know we've had some commenters saying they didn't think so. Um, Vincey comes in and has the audacity to say that Colm had a decent game. Uh, actually, Vincey, we said that at half time, it's very unusual for us to uh, sing the praises of any of the officials in Scottish football, but you know, he did, he let things go a wee bit. 
uh, Laura and some might say that that's not why he's there. He's there to um, obviously lay down the law. I think he allowed the game to flow as much as the game against Livingston is going to flow. Um, there was a few occasions he might have been able to give a yellow, but he just had a wee word in the player's ear. Bit of common sense, I thought. And by the way, I'm not a fan. Absolutely not a fan. Um, but one last question I'm going to ask in relation to the Kyogo and Yakimakis um, discussion. I don't think we'll see too many games where the two of them play or start the game for Celtic, Laura. I know we did against Shakhtar there at Celtic Park. One of them um, has a Champions League goal under their belt. The other doesn't. And and many, much of the criticism I feel around Kyogo has been that he hasn't made that step up from domestic to Champions League football. And whilst I don't think his performances have been fantastic in the Champions League, again, I just think that it's too early to to say that. It's too early to come to that conclusion, I feel. Uh, Yakimakis has scored his goal. He's broken his duck in the Champions League. I think that his physicality um, is much better suited to the Champions League because he seems to get away with it more, which is what should happen. I mean, he gets penalised too much in the domestic game. Um, obviously, this might change in the Bernabeu. Kyogo might break his duck, duck in the Bernabeu, and I hope he does. Laura, do you have any concerns about those two players specifically and how they've performed in the Champions League? Have you been pretty happy with Yakimakis like I have and you're thinking the jury's out on Kyogo but we've got to be patient? I think I think both of them have elements of their game that they need to improve at that level. Um, I think for my money, Yakimakis is more of a cert to take a chance in, in a lot of situations than Kyogo is. But if Kyogo's got a bit more, and by that I mean like a snatched chance, um, but if Kyogo's got a bit more time on his hands, then then you would rely on him to take a, to take a chance as well. I think Yakimakis is going to always have the edge physically, but then you would expect in that sense that Kyogo might be the better option in Europe because sometimes you do get a little bit more time on the ball just because of the way that the, the European teams play. But it's difficult, it's difficult. I don't think... I don't think one or other of them has given a better performance than the other in the Champions League. I think they have both shown some of their strengths and both shown a majority of weaknesses that that just prove that they're just off that level at the moment. But I, I don't I don't think either of them is so far away from that level that they're that they're beyond coaching to that level. It was like we were talking about before the show. You just hope that if they can get to the real top of the game <coughs> in that sense, then. Hopefully it happens in a Celtic shirt rather than them having to go elsewhere to do it. What about some of the other players we've been talking about and some of whom we'll continue to talk about in the show today um, and how they have made that step up to the Champions League? What's been your take on players such as Juranovic, uh, Jota, Carter Vickers, uh, Hatate, O'Reilly, players who have really starred for Celtic since they came in? Um, do you think they've made that step up that we would expect? I think so. Um, one of the players who I think possibly has has been more of a passenger to use to to use Jim Orr's phrasing from yesterday um, is is Jota. But sometimes I feel as though, again, like I said about the Celtic team today, I feel a bit for the wide players in that they can't really help if the play goes down their side or not, and sometimes. I think in Jota's case, the, the play has been focused on the other side of the pitch and so he doesn't get a chance to get as involved. So maybe his lack of involvement or his lack of impact is not always completely down to him. 
Hatati, I think if you could eliminate the silly mistakes that he makes, if you could eliminate the amount that he gives away the ball, there's no doubt that he's got the natural ability when he does things right to, to play at the very top of the game. I mean, we all know about that pass against Real Madrid that went viral. Um, that's the kind of ability that he's got there. He just needs to show it more often. And as far as the backline's concerned, Carter Vickers, I have no concerns about. You just have to hold your hands up and say sometimes he's playing against a higher level of opposition that are going to pick him apart. Jens definitely shows that he's got a little bit more naivety there that I think needs coached out of him. But he's still relatively young in that sense. And I think... He's got all the hallmarks of a of a top defender. So um, I think it's difficult as well, though, because one player you didn't mention there is Greg Taylor, who mm. I think sometimes benefits in Europe almost from the fact of, and I say this from a personal point of view, I kind of, I've said many times on this show, Greg Taylor is, is absolutely adequate for domestic football, but isn't up to scratch for European football. And so sometimes I feel I don't even then... Uh, assess him or scrutinise him in Europe as much as I would because I just expect, well, he's not that level anyway. Um, but he's actually shown himself to be quite the opposite. He's been one of our more consistent performers in Europe and domestically. And I think that's um, that's worth highlighting because, as I always say, I'm more than happy for a player to prove me wrong if it means they're playing better for Celtic. Yeah, I mean, that was always the chat, wasn't it? You know, we had an upgrade on Tony Ralston with uh, Juranovic. We had to do the same with Greg Taylor. And lo and behold, Greg Taylor is one of our best performances, both at home and in Europe all season. Today was no different. And there's a few comments coming in. Gary Melrose, uh, what a peach from Griegsy. Is that what we're calling him? Griegsy, is that his nickname? Uh, Connor McLeod, what a player Greg Taylor is as well. He has really proved a lot of us wrong. Let's have a look at the kind of the arc or the trajectory, the upwards trajectory of Greg Taylor's Celtic career. He comes in as a very highly rated, uh, rated player domestically. Some might remember his um, sensational tackle on Joey Barton when he was playing for Kilmarnock against Rangers. He comes in, he's being looked after at the time by Jackie McNamara and he doesn't play. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio is a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. 
Go to iHeartResults.com for more. He came in, didn't really get a game. Um, it's only really since, I think, Ange Postacoglu's come in that uh, Greg, we've seen the real Greg Taylor. And I'm going to say, I think he's, he's, he's definitely up there. There's an argument to suggest that he's the most improved player at the club under Ange. Um, now, I know there's been a few others, uh, Laura, like Tony Ralston. He's had so much um, column and she's written about him, so much uh, Axom at times spoken about him, and rightly so. He's now he's now just, you know, a solid part of the team, isn't he? Ralston, he plays today. You have no concerns over him. Um, Greg Taylor's up there, though, isn't he, in terms of how much he has improved on the ranch post of Coglu. How, how big a part of that is down to the, the gaffer having a, a belief in him? And obviously Taylor himself developing and progressing um, his own career in a position that he's probably never played before until Ange came to the club. I've said this before and I'll say it again. Ange Postacoglu is a coach. He comes in and he coaches players. Greg Taylor didn't have that in any way, shape or form before Ange Postacoglu came along at Celtic. I firmly believe that the previous um, incumbent in the job bought players and expected to, them to do the job that he thought they were brought to do and if they didn't do it they were out and somebody else was in Ange Postacoglu brings them in assesses whether they have the ability and the potential to do what he wants them to do and then decides on whether he can coach that into them or not and Greg Taylor's a, a player very much like that there are some players don't need coaching they know the game so well and they've got such a football and brain that they can they can do it off their own back. Maybe Greg Taylor doesn't fit into that that category, but what he is is a hard worker and somebody who will listen and who will learn. And you can bet your bottom dollar that if you're going to listen to anybody in terms of how to improve your game, it's Ange Postacoglu. Let's not forget Postacoglu played uh, that position or similar <clears throat> as a player. So perhaps he's got more knowledge and more wisdom to share with Greg Taylor than he does many of the other players in the squad. Um, and it's certainly shown to be of benefit. Yeah, I mean, Taylor, I've said there, there's an argument to say he's the most improved since Ange Borsacogli came in. I have not always been a massive fan of Greg Taylor, I've got to say. I, you know, I, I didn't see enough in him to think that um, he could make this, this fabled step up, but he has done. Um, and I don't just mean in Europe. Uh, Laura, I've spoken before about so many players that impress domestically. You know, they're they're definitely the best player outside of Celtic or outside of Celtic and Rangers, and they get the move, and it doesn't happen. And that's happened over the years so many times. And I thought Taylor was basically in that bracket. I thought if it was going to happen, it would have done so. Um, and then Ange comes in and, and completely changes that. Um, Taylor, of course, scores the second goal, and what a goal it was! It took him a while to get off his. Um, uh, you know, to, to break his league duck. Um, but now he's scored a second. Fantastic drive. Um, superb composure. Um, he got the power and the accuracy in it. And he nutmegs the goalie. Something we Kyogre couldn't do in Europe. Um, what a goal. And, you know, it's wee moments like that when you see him celebrating against Hearts, when you see him celebrating against Livingston, that you think to yourself, he must have gone through a, a whole host of emotions over the, the period of time that he's been at Celtic, Laura. But um, he must feel now he's arrived. It's just a shame for him, I think, that in terms of internationally, we've got so many good left-backs at the moment as well. Yeah, I mean, I think... Um, I can't think of... 
any player who's more deserving of that call up but like you say we seem to just produce good players in that position for Scotland and, and it's unfortunate from his point of view that that's the case um, the thing I really liked about the goal today was you know it was kind of getting headed here there and everywhere and there have been multiple chances and I think it really benefits a player the way Craig Taylor did today to, to be the only one in the crowd of players who had a cool head, who was watching from the outside, watching the ball. Everybody else is looking up in the sky at it. He's waiting for it to drop and he knows exactly what he's going to do. And more than that, he thought, rather than try and leather it so hard to make, make it go into the top corner out of the reach of the goalkeeper as you would normally do, he's had the intelligence to say, no, there's a massive bodies in front of me here. I can take advantage of that by just hitting it as hard and low as I can the goalkeeper's not going to see it till very late and hopefully if I get enough on it, it's going to be so late that he's not going to have time to, to react. And that's exactly what happened because the ball didn't even end up very far from the goalkeeper, but it was so quick in coming to him that he couldn't even stick a leg out to, to kick it away. So I, I think, you, you know, there's an argument to say that it was a bit of a hit, hit and hope, but I think there was more in it and I would give Greg Taylor more credit than that for it. I think it was a, a fantastic uh, and like very smart goal of him to score as well as ha- the fact that he obviously had the technique to do it in the first place yeah brilliant technique because you can see the ball spinning when it comes to him uh, on the super slow-mo but the minute he strikes it he strikes it so cleanly and it's probably the fact that you know pe- people may say it's straight at the goalie but the goalie's rooted to the spot mm. you know if there's a bit of movement there at least the goalie has an option to move but he's rooted to the spot and he can't you know, change his feet quickly enough. It's a fantastic goal and it gives you that cushion that you need, I think. At half time, uh, a lot of the comments that were coming in, Laura, we need that setting goal, we need that setting goal, we got it. Um, and it was, you know, within that first 10, 15 minutes, like we said, the the second half, Taylor really gives us that that cushion and then you think to yourself, all right, Ange can make his changes 65 minutes in, which he did, and the, the whole complexion of the game is completely different. I want to talk about a few other um, performances before we get to Jota's goal, the third goal. Um, firstly, Moy, because that was a player that you had a wee concern about in terms of the starting lineup, um, Laura, but I mean, he played his part today. Um, I, I'm trying to remember if there was anything of concern, probably not. He's one of the players I feel that he's on a short leash if he does make a mistake. It's highlighted, um, like against uh, Hearts, he, ma- he made that, he missed that brilliant chance. But then you start looking at, you know, his involvement in the goals we did score. What was your take on his performance today? <clears throat> I think he was, I think he was a bit more dynamic than I maybe gave him credit for. I was, I'll give him that, um, and I think he was as involved as I would want him to be in the game. I thought he was I thought he was very effective at what he did. Um he's still not my preferred choice, but you can't argue with a player who brings as much as he did to the game today and we win as comfortably as we do. You've got to give credit there where it's due and I think he definitely deserves that. Um I have to admit I still I'm still not entirely sure that I would think that he was an Ange player unless Ange had worked with him before as he obviously has done in the national team and things like that so he he kind of sticks out in that sense but it's obvious that Ange knows exactly what he can get out of the player and even though he might not be the most gifted footballer in the world he can do exactly what's required of him and as, as we said about Greg Taylor there Ange values that as much as he does ability in players as the ability to do the job that they're asked mm. to do and, and to to let go of ego in that sense 
Um, I'm sure he's not got time for time wasters and that's the biggest compliment you can play Mo- pay Moy as well as he's obviously come in and done the job that the manager's asked because he knows the manager is asking him to do a job that will affect change on a game and and be as impactful as possible. So basically what I'm trying to say is I've tried to pick apart potential selections that Ange has made and I've been showing up once again. <laughs> <laughs> the thing with Moy, he strikes me, Laura, as being one of the guys that's low maintenance. You know, you could drop him and not give him again for a few weeks and he won't be rattling on your office door asking you why. And then you can throw him in um, and he'll do the job exactly the way you've you've instructed him to do it. And I think that that's like a manager's dream, isn't it? Like you say, mm. the ego will not be there. He's an experienced head. He's, he's, he's calm and composed. But if he was to be dropped for the Bernabeu even, um, although he'd be particularly disappointed pointed in that. I don't think he would give the, the gaffer too much hassle. Um, he was asked, Ange Postecoglou, around the motivation of international football, World Cup finals, etc. And, you know, Ange gave his typical answer that he doesn't even think about that kind of stuff. He doesn't use that as leverage to try and motivate players. He's all about the club, um, which I do like. I really do like, but I know that uh, there's a lot of players out there who are very much uh, motivated by representing the club at that, uh, the country rather at that uh, but, on but that stage. I, I, I think Ange could have gone further in that comment. To be honest, I mean, if you need to, if you need to remind a, a, a professional footballer that there's a chance they could play for their country at the World Cup if they play good, well for their club, then there's a problem with that player anyway. Never mind whether he's motivated to play for the club or not. I don't think I think you need to give professional footballers more credit than that. I think they, I think they know exactly what the potential benefits are of of good club football. If we're talking about the World Cup, you can bet they'll be talking about the World Cup. They don't need that as a motivating factor. And and from that point of view, whether Ange means in terms of representing Celtic should be an honour enough, mm. or whether it's just that it's not a, a tactic he would want to use, he doesn't need to use it. The players are fully aware of of. What, what they can benefit from, and I don't think it's necessarily something that you need to to beat them over the head with. No, especially Moy at his stage, his career. Uh, yeah. There can't be that many more opportunities to play uh, on that kind of stage. Taylor, twenty four years of age, that was his one hundredth appearance, four goals now, eighteen assists, not a bad return for. Um, a left back is it really um, what do you think of this then do you take him off the penalties Christopher Patterson reckons that Yakimak is, is taking off the penalties um, or do you do the old reverse psychology and keep him on them to get over the get over that wee hump um, I think I mentioned it before I, if it, if he was a, to, this might be a bit too basic but to me if he was a defender who happened to be a bit of a, a penalty specialist and had missed or even a midfielder in that sense, I might say, yeah, take him off penalties. He's obviously not got what it takes. But this guy's a striker. His job is to finish goals, uh, to finish shots. And I know that there's technique involved in penalties that maybe not every striker's going to have, but I don't think Giacomacus falls into that category. And I actually think it would be detrimental to his confidence to take him off penalties if he's on the pitch. I think if he wants to take one, you let him take it. Um... He'd, he'd have to miss an awful lot more penalties before I thought about taking him off as well. Yeah, for sure. Third goal scored by the one and only Jota. Danny Boy reckons he's the best in Scotland by a country mile. It was great to see him back. And it reminds us again, Laura, that, you know, Shakhtar Donetsk, it was a tight game. It was one each. We were th- without Jota, Callum McGregor, Carol Starfelt. 
And although I think Gents and Carter Vickers have developed a really good relationship at the back, those three players were pivotal to our performances last season um, uh, and winning the double. They're very, very important players in the team. Arguably, all three of them are first picks. Um, and they have been missed, and we need to focus on that. I know that Shakhtar had a few players miss another night, but they three guys are three of our most important players. Jota comes back today. Great to see him back, and he caps it all off with uh, an excellent finish, by the way, I've got to say. And, you know, I thought David Turnbull done really, really well because he, he just ignored the fact that there was shouts for offside, which uh, were were not... It was not the case. He was definitely onside. And he lays on Jota. It was, a, it was a fantastic finish. Great to see him back in a Celtic jersey. Yeah, I mean, uh, David Turnbull is, is a player that I really, really admire. Um, I think he has been slow to get back to the player he can be um, following what was quite a significant injury last season. Um, but I think he brings something to... The thing that I'm liking about this squad, I mentioned it about Haksibanovic before the game, I'm mentioning it about Jota, I mentioned it about you know, the the contrast between Kyogo and Yakimakis is the system remains the same, but what the players can offer is always different. And you can't tell me that, that Aaron Moy and, and David Turnbull offer the same thing or Hitati and McGregor or O'Reilly and McGregor or whoever you want to pair up in that midfield. They all know how the system works, but they all know the strengths that each of them brings to it. And I think they're all equally as valuable for it. Um, I'm really hoping to see a lot more of David Turnbull as the season goes on because I think he's still one of the best passers of the ball that we've got. And I think that could be vital in, in unlocking defences like Livingston's between now and the end of the season. For sure. You look at players like Turnbull, Jota coming back in, McGregor coming back in, the fact that Staffelt will be you know, training and Welsh will be training, they'll be coming back in soon. And then in January we should uh, strengthen again, Laura, and uh, really just uh, up the game up the tempo in terms of our performances. Um, an interesting point. Yeah, you're right, Andrew. Maybe it's not Yakimakis' fault. We don't get penalties that often. Who's going to take next season? Ah, you're right. Uh, that was the first penalty since April. And of course, Yakimakis missed one exactly one year ago today. But we win 3 nothing, So it's a footnote that no one will really pay much attention to, Laura. Um, I think Yakimakis will have his own standards and he'll be looking to get back on the score sheet. ASAP, another big game coming up. Um, I hope you can join us during the week we go back to the Bernabeu and uh, you know what would be brilliant to get a result over there um, because I think over the piece um, Celtic's performance in this campaign has been decent there's been plenty of positives to take from it it's not as though everything Ange's done you look at us on that stage and you think we're not really progressing that's not the feeling I'm getting as a Celtic fan for sure and it would be brilliant to go out there and brilliant experience for the players I'd, I'd love to see Jota um, playing at the Bernabeu so hopefully he's fit enough to start as well Laura it's always an absolute pleasure every single one of you you see the names and the avatars popping up and they're becoming more and more uh, recognisable if you haven't done so already get yourself subscribing to the channel if you want to support what Axrom does there's a few links underneath this channel um, you can buy tickets for example to go and see Bendit like Bertie the fantastic Jim Orr's play uh, with Des McLean you can buy some merch including this shamrock top to my uh, left and you can do other various other things like donate to uh, the birthplace of our football club Laura you've heard you've been given a sneak preview of the charity single yes we are moving into the music world finally Axom collaborating with The Wakes 
JJ Gilmore and Gary John Kane. And uh, we've got a song. It's called "The Glory in the Dream." You've heard the latest mix. What's your thoughts? Uh, I think the I think the phrase "stirring anthem" springs to mind, uh, and uh, and I think that's that's apt. Um, I think that uh, it's just proof again of of what can happen when when a bunch of talented people come together to do good for good causes, and and. It's certainly one that I'll be purchasing as soon as it's available, um, not just because of the song's quality, but before, because of what it means. And I would urge everybody, as soon as the, as soon as the link is shared, um, be a part of a small part of history in terms of what Celtic supporters can do, and and, and be part of this charity single because not only are you supporting uh, good causes, but you're you're supporting the talents and the and the hard work of all the people behind it who have put it put it together and I have to say um, from my point of view and from, from a lot of the contributors point of view uh, we get a lot of plaudits for what we do as part of Axon but I have to say that this is of no um, this was not any of our work, this was your work and this was the work of the guys uh, behind it who, who wrote the song and performed the song and recorded it and everything and they deserve all the plaudits whether or not they're the people in front of the camera or not so um, yeah, I'm really excited to see everybody's response to it um, and and potentially what it could raise for good causes. And who knows, we might be we might be battling. I don't know, Mister Blobby for Christmas number one or something. Imagine that. You imagine that. <laughs> I'm that, maybe showing my age saying I'm maybe showing my age saying Mister Blobby. I don't know what the current day that, thing that is. That would be phenomenal. Oh. Um, no, you're right. There, there's a lot of people who are involved in that from the the individual doing the artwork for the front cover to the producer uh, the, the guys doing it at the studio the whole thing, uh, it's been an incredible experience and what we're going to do Laura is this is going to be the, like the focal point of our charity weekender which this year will be the third year that we've done this where we go live for 24 hours over a weekend and we'll be We'll be looking to push the downloads of this single. If enough people download it and the momentum starts gathering up, who knows where it'll go. We'll have a nice promotional video recorded for it as well. The Wakes, Paul and the guys are absolutely superb. The song itself written by somebody who's in the Proclaimers and somebody who used to be in the Silencers. And it's it's a fantastic song. Um, there's a monologue in there that uh, the hairs will be standing up on the uh, edge of your necks for sure when you hear it. Um, the, the other thing I would say to people about this is, um, you know, there's plenty of famous Celtic songs talk about knowing your history. This is a song that tells you about the history of this football club and the origins of this football club. Um, so that apart, you know, if you're relatively new as a Celtic supporter, if you're wanting to read up a bit on the history of the club, you could do no better than starting by listening to this song because it'll have a lot of information there about exactly what Celtic Football Club stands for and the the places and the communities that it originated in. Yeah, the glory and the dream. We'll let you hear it very, very soon. I promise it's not quite finished, but it's almost there. And I'm feeling very exclusive. Like I've, uh, I've heard a sneak peek and all that. So. Like a music reviewer. You've been yeah. given it to, to have a look and you've I can come be back. one of these smug people that goes, oh guys, you'll love it, you'll love it. <laughs> Superb. I'm not on it, by the way, I've got to say. I did want to play the Maracas yeah, or John's something. Yeah, Paul John's not singing, you're safe, you're I'm safe. I'm definitely not on it. But uh, <laughs> someone who can sing is... Thanks everybody for getting involved. It's an- another win for Ange Postacoglu. We go to Spain. I know Logies will be going to the game. Quite a few of the Axom troops are going over to Spain as well. Big, big, exciting times to be a Celtic fan, even though we are at the Champions League. I look forward to the game. All that's left for me to say once again, Laura Bradburn, thank you for joining me on A Celtic State of Mind. Thank you. 
Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.